Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Gate 7 International. I'm your co-host, Costa. I'm joined by Martial at Olympiacos, France. And Costas Llanos is back. Welcome, guys. How are you doing? Costa, start with you. It's been a long time. Well, great to be with you guys. I missed you tremendously. It's been a crazy couple of weeks. How long has it been? Been putting out a lot of fires and currently putting together a big ethniki exclusive. So watch this space. Ade. Marcial, Sava, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing quite well. Weather is under under 19 of ethnic at the Euro, unfortunately. Both of you chatting about the ethnic gear. We're here to talk about Olympiacos <laughs> and what a couple of days it has been. Uh, particularly on the basketball end, we'll talk about that a little bit. We've got a few things to talk about, guys, today on the menu. First of all, a first taste of Olympiacos 2023-24 season under um, Diego Martinez. We uh, finally had the first friendly of the season against Slovacko, team that finished fifth in the, in the Czech Republic and they won the cup last season. They were also in the group stages of the UEFA Conference League. We, of course, have transfers that are imminent. Vicente Ibora and queenie as a as you said earlier before we started at least at least there it is it's better than pipa oh he's he's going full on full on yeah well queenie is better than pipa that is true that is true too good not to share that one <laughs> so, okay, so people chiming in already. Lagis Gavalas is back. It says Marshall looks always to be in a detention room at school. Uh, I don't get that. Why does, he, why does he look like he's in detention? I don't get that. It's my door, my door, main door. It looks uh, like it just looks like a school door, like the wooden door with a white yeah. panel on it. I look at my I eyes, DC has got some jokes, is on time as always. Yes, sir, you know it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I see Zach V, um, loyal, another loyal follower, please comments about Slukash. You mean Slukash? Okay. <laughs> um, okay, guys. Um, would... Obviously, I, I'm more the basketball guy in this discussion at least um so i'm gonna give my thoughts on it anything anything positive that this guy may have offered our team the six years that he played with us for me it's gone it's completely erased from my mind um and you know what it's not so much the the fact that he's gone to panathinaikos is the fact that he signed with that guy Drakis. That that's more to me than him signing with Panathinaikos. He went, he shook the hand of that guy, of that guy who, among other things, swore to Spanulis that he hoped he'd get cancer mm -hmm. and that his family would die. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, that's that's really the thing that gets me the most how he how he can be so spiteful to go there and you know whether or not it's true that he gets 3.3 million a season 
Do you know what, guys? He's 33 years old, going 34. When Spanulis joined, he was 28. He was in his peak peak years. Slukas is on the decline. For me, I know it's easy to say this now, but Slukas is, a, is one of the main reasons we lost in the final two. All the free throws that he missed, never misses a free throw. And a lot of things kind of explain themselves. His attitude at the, um, at the um, well, when we lifted the cup at Sef, some of his comments, um, he didn't want to sing, uh, celebrate with the team on video. He was going kind of hiding away. So I don't know. You could also speculate that he's probably made an agreement before, before even going to talk to the to the owners, where he stayed and talked to them for four hours. It's not the first time that he would have done something like that. The previous time in 2015, when was it that he left? He'd already agreed with Abradovich, and he went to the meeting with the owners. Essentially, told them, "I'm leaving," and now he's kind of I don't know, wised up a little bit compared to 2015, and tried to play the actor, put on a good act. Anyway, it's done, guys. Um, Olympiacos moves on. Uh, I know a lot of people are upset today because uh, there's all stories going around about Panathinaikos going into Miritic as well, uh, supposedly offering four million uh, euro a season compared to our our three million for two seasons. Guys, all, all I want to say is that the last two seasons, obviously, we've got to the final four, playing the basketball that we've played with the budget that we have, we've built something strong. There's a strong organization. There's, you know, players that are being uh, improving year on year. Shaq McKissick really being for me, one of the best examples of a player that's improved leaps and bounds over the last two seasons. He's improved his shot so much last season. I'm sure he'll, he'll keep getting better and better. And not only, um, I have faith in the organization, the, the coach, the management, everyone that's there, that um, that we can we can bounce back even if we've lost uh, Vezenkov, we've lost Slukas, we will find a way. So don't let don't let people get into your heads. That's exactly what Dragis is trying to do now as well. Is that he's just trying to get media to come out and cover stories about players that we're going in for, and he's trying to get us to turn on the owners, the manager. Um, Olympiakos is strong when we're all united it's the same for basketball as it is for football um basketball we are absolutely dominant right now um so don't don't just uh don't let them get into your head is what i want to say and last thing i'll say uh because i want to bring the other guys in and, and talk some football is that in basketball it really counts having having a team that's played together for more than two seasons. It counts, you know, we, we have to rebuild because we've lost two players and we need to replace essentially two players. Panathinaikos is rebuilding a whole new team. They brought in a very good coach, but their task is much more difficult than ours because the players have never played with each other. Some of them maybe not even met each other before. Okay, so... Calm down. Um, we're, all, we're all upset with what happened. But uh, again, don't let them get into your head. I'm just going to see if there's any yeah, any comments. Can we stop talking about the traitor? He will regret it for the rest of his miserable life. That's another thing, man. I don't know how the guy 
so Matt Derbyshire, Matt Derbyshire wrote us a message and he was like, I don't know how the guy can, can make that decision. And, and we were going back and forth and we were saying, you know, how, how, is, how is he and his family going to go out south side of Athens? Forget about it for me. Like, so, and of course, we're saying leave them alone on the streets. Nobody, nobody bothers Lucas or his family or anything, obviously. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Uh, thank you for clarifying just in case that was necessary. But, uh, but we know what it was. Like. Uh, it was. We obviously, we're obviously against this stuff, but it's good to, uh, it's good to say it as well. No, it's ridiculous, but we know what, what, what Greece is like. Uh, the, t the, the temperament and, you know, fan violence. <clears throat> It's a big problem, uh, and the way that it's fueled, you know, the, the media they pour fuel on the fire. It, it doesn't take it doesn't take a lot. So, so of course not. Um, do we have anything else on this topic? Is this a Slugas group therapy session? If yes, I'd like to say it feels like having taken your ex back after she left you, only for her to leave you again for the guy you hate the most. Anyway, let's well, wrap it, it is, up. It there. is pressure. Pressure is on him though because. He needs to succeed now at uh, at Panathinaikos. It's it's not up to Olympiakos to succeed now. He needs to uh, to do a Spanulis and take and take Panathinaikos back on top. How old is he? Remind me. Thirty three, going thirty four. That's not young. That's not young at all. Like he's if he wants to succeed, he's going to have to do it in the next two years. And like you said, he's going to be with a team that don't even know each other right now. And now they have to beat a a very strong Olympiakos. They came just a whisker away from winning their fourth. European title, so pressure is on him, really. Anyway, he made his choice. He's gone. He's done. As I said right at the beginning, uh, for me, I'm, I'm sorry to, I'm kind of sorry to say it, but it, everything's gone for me in my head. Like I'm, I, I like, I like him as a player. Uh, I like the fact that you know he could take the ball and he could you know take over the game at the in the fourth quarter. Finished. Uh, done. Anyway, um, moving on. Let's move on from Lucas. I don't want to talk about him anymore or give him any more value uh, than we already have. So let's talk. Let's talk football. So yesterday was the the first friendly of the season against Slovacko. Uh, as I said, a team that played in the Conference League last season. They won the cup in the Czech Republic, and it's a two-one victory. Um, what do you make of it, Marshall? Um, after after the game, how are you feeling from from what we saw? Well, I wasn't able to watch it because I was working, but uh, at least when I saw the lineup, uh, I knew it was going to be a productive friendly. Uh, because when you compare to the first friendly we had like last season, I, I think Lavros sent us the lineup of that of that uh, friendly with. Christensen has a goalkeeper, Avram playing as a centre back. Uh, the team was like really in a really bad shape, uh, unlike yesterday because we do have less friendlies this summer, and I do believe every one of them will be more useful for the team than every every single friendly we have had last summer. And I've seen things because I, I've watched highlights. I've seen things that please me. The, the Fortunisbil connection. El Arabi, that, is, that looks to be able to run again. Uh, and players like Cavallo playing, Pepe 
even Zinka Nagel. So it was what I was expecting, and it's good to start with a victory with the brace from the only striker we have until now. And we just need to avoid injuries, like especially Fortunis need to avoid being injured because I, I wonder which when is the last time he played a full preseason for Olympiacos, including summer qualifiers. Fortunis. Yeah. yeah. It's to be three years, maybe. It, well, I mean, two seasons it's been that he's got ACL. What was it? Uh, the season and before it was last? Cruciate ligament, cruciate ligament rupture. Twenty. It started in 2019 and he got it again two years later, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And then last season he didn't play. He, or he didn't train with the team because, because he was training with yeah. bulldozers because Pedro Martins decided to leave him out yeah so, yeah. so i mean yeah. look guys i i watched the friendly on on replay last night and uh it's funny you mention you know actually another funny thing today this this day last year we played az alkmaar in the prova generale before the game against haifa and we won that game one nil oh. at home uh, and we all know what followed after that. But I think I, I said this to the guys, to all of you guys earlier today. After watching the friendly, I I made an immediate comparison with the friendlies last year. And last year you were watching the friendlies and it just looked like a bunch of dead bodies running around or not even running around. That they, they weren't playing together. They weren't clicking. They were trying to press maybe have a half chance on a counter-attack but you you know we were all hoping that it would all click and fall into place when the qualifier started and it never did and anyway last season turned out the way it did but going into this one everyone's thinking okay what's the formation going to be and everyone's curious to see how Diego Martinez is going to set up his team uh, and, and let's just remind ourselves so Zolaki started in goal Rodine at right back, Ole Grabchuk at left back, and Useni Bar and Andreas Doi at centre back. Then in the middle, you had Bukalakis, Carvalho, Fortunis, Vrusai, Biel, and up front, El Arabi. So this unorthodox formation where Carvalho was almost operating as an eight, like a central midfielder. Um, and essentially, there, there are three speaking points that I want to touch on. One, first of all, Zolagis. I don't think it's a given that Pascalagis is going to take the number one this season. Yeah. I'm going to say early now, 9th of July, because that kid is not a kid anymore. Uh he looks to have started off this season right where he left off, where he had that string of games in the playoffs at the end of last season when Pascal Aguiz got injured. He made a great save about eight minutes into the game where the ball's gone over the top on the right-hand side and Rodine has made a, you know, a bad touch. The attacker's through on goal and he's made a good save. And then on the 20th minute, he's clawed out, I think it was a header, from the top corner with his left hand, 
which if it was a if it wasn't a friendly if it was an official game people would be raving about that save for for a very long time so that's one thing that that stuck with me from the game uh, the second thing is uh biel and i'm getting ready for lagisgavalas to come after me now biel started the game on the right hand side um that's on paper as a right winger but following the game you saw him many times really coming inside close playing really close to el arabi and getting the opportunity to operate in those more central areas and it led to an assist for the for the second goal i think it was and many a time we saw him playing these some through balls some even one touch through balls to the attackers to the wingers something we hadn't really seen last season from him and again i i stress on paper it looked like he was starting on the right hand side but he really was operating a lot in the center and leaving the entire wing to rodine uh during yesterday's yesterday's game so that's interesting and third point um andreas doy playing center back for 45 minutes and playing defensive midfielder for for the second half this is a topic that we talked about on the last two shows where is um where is he going to play where is he going to be deployed by the new manager um so there we go uh, we see that the manager wants to see him in both positions both as a center back and as a defensive midfielder um as well uh, Jonas Madsen didn't be able to make assist for both goals. One for yeah. Tunis was the other one. For Tunis was the other Bravo. one. Biel was the uh, Biel was the one. Yeah, Biel was one. The, the first yeah. one, I think. I think yeah, it was. Um, for the the second one was for Tunis through ball. He cut it through through the defense, and then the yeah Biel was the. It was, it was a good time. assist because it was he didn't have he was not he had bad balance. He wasn't he wasn't balanced when he did. Καλησπέρα και σε αυτού που μα ακούνε από την Ελλάδα. Thanks guys for thanks guys for tuning in. Uh, really appreciate it. Like if you haven't done so already, guys, hit the like button. Help this uh, episode get out to more Olympiacos fans. Subscribe if you haven't done so already. Hit the bell so that you notified whenever whenever we go live or whenever there's a new video up. Ari is working on deep on deep dives, guys. We have uh, two signings coming in imminently that's why Ari's not with us tonight he's working on the Ibora and the the Kini deep dives so hit the bell at the bottom when the deep dives uh, are available you'll learn about them first and you can go and check those check those out uh guys anything anything more about the game yesterday itself before we before we talk transfers well, uh, go ahead, Marcelo. No, go ahead. No, I just think that uh, basically this is a game that with with a lineup we we're almost definitely not going to see this season. Uh, I was talking to Gas Poyet, the Greek the Greek manager, the other day about Chelsea and how nobody, not even Mauricio Pochettino, knows how Chelsea's lineup is going to look next season. I be, I believe the same goes for Olympiacos. I don't think. Anyone really knows how we're going to line up next season, let alone Diego Martinez, the new, um, the new, the new manager. Uh, he's just using what he had. Uh, 
the, the the win looks good considering that Slovatsko were more were were more prepared than Olympiakos, were more advanced than Olympiakos. But then again, uh, friendlies to me, the, the, the scoreline on friendlies doesn't mean anything to me because I remember back in 2006. Don't we talk about dist- Blackburn or Werder Bremen. Who was it? Blackburn, Werder Bremen, and who was the other one? Sociedad or Celta or Saragossa? One of those, one of those threes. Olympiacos were absolutely pummeling them in uh, in the friendly games. They were scoring like four or five goals, and everybody in Greece were thinking, "My God, this team is going to kick ass." And then the Champions League came around, and uh, we got Roma, Valencia, and Shakhtar Donetsk, a pretty dandy group, considering we avoided Chelsea and Barcelona on the same group. And Olympiacos finished last without a single victory. So yeah, score lines to me don't play, they don't mean a lot. It's all about what you see. Uh, it's good to see Larabi returning to goals. It's good to see that he scored a. It's good to see that he scored a brace. I was listening to you guys uh, last week where you said you predicted, and I see why you predicted it that Olympiacos are not going to make any additions until the uh, qualifier with Servet or Genk. Uh, but I disagree. Uh, the, 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 the first game is on August 5. It's in a month's time. I mean, there's definitely... And we are, we're already making an addition. Ibora is coming in. Kini apparently is falling in, is, follow, is not far behind. Uh, but Olympiacos will still need to have a centre-back. They're still going to need to have a winger. They're still going to need to have a centre-forward. So, yeah, the, 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 it's good that uh, Olympiacos kicked things off with a win. Uh, it's good uh, that they showed a, they put together a good performance. But so far, it doesn't mean much. We have a long, long way ahead of us this preseason. I wanted to say that the, the fact we, we are not aiming for Champions League kind of changed the, the summer for the club because I've seen like Panathinaikos playing the, the fifth friendly already. And it's very different when you have to give time, give reason to every player of the squad because the task to go to Champions League is way bigger than, than going to Europa League. We are not going to play teams like Slovakia during qualifiers, but teams like Servet, for example, they quite come close teams like that because they weren't champions on their league. And the quality of Olympiacos itself, the players we have currently, it's just a matter of readiness. Last summer, we all remember, as Costa said, that it was dead body on the pitch. El Arabi not even able to claim the ball between defenders, like not even to mention the, the sitter he missed. But even even with Bill Fortunis at 80%, I'm pretty sure that the offensive quality will be superior from the from the first opponent we play, even if it especially if it's Servet. It's just my opinion, but I, the friendly will be very different. I think we, we're gonna see more interesting things. In friendlies, even if friendly, as you said, Costa doesn't mean anything. As long as you get the right messages, the right, uh, the right info. But then again, I mean, we're not going to see El Arabi spearheading the attack this season. We're not going to see Joao Carvalho in midfield, let alone a number eight. I mean, we'll be we'll be shocked if, if we see that this season. So I feel like we've got a long, long way to go in this preseason. This. This friendly showed very, very little in regards to what we can expect from Olympiacos this coming season. I mean, maybe there's a couple of things I'll add uh, 
you always you always like to see your team come out strong in a game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, the the first five minutes of the game, they you know, Libiakos came out the blocks really, really well. Uh, dominant in possession, everything that you expect from a team that has a, a Spanish manager in terms of possession football, building up from the back, um, not holding onto the ball too too long, pass and move, like good movement off the ball, and you know some some actions down the left hand side where you know Marshall I mentioned it earlier, Fortunis Biel and 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 El Arabi linking up at the speed of light you know, flicks and, you know, very intricate passing and movement. And you thought, bloody hell, like, where did this come from? But but again, like, I hate to go back to last season. These guys, they didn't train together during preseason last season. Biel came when the season had already started, uh, like, end of August. But, uh, he played in the second game against the Onikos, second game of the league. Uh, so he didn't, he wasn't with us for preseason. Uh, Fortunis, as we said, didn't train at all in preseason, uh, and El Arabi mm-hmm. was you know, how El Arabi was last uh, last year. And again, l- last summer, guys, we had friendlies every every two three days with a heavy training session before the friendly, and now we have one friendly a week, and we have until the tenth of August, like Marshall said. Panathinaikos has less time; they played a lot of friendlies in quick succession. Um, it's a different kind of different kind of uh, setting for them, but um, I feel like I feel like there's a lot of talent in the squad, but because of the way that last season went, people are really kind of just suspect of a lot of players. Uh, a lot of you are asking me or asking us. How was Pepe? Uh, did uh, Zink and Argo play? How did he look? Uh, guys, Zink and Pepe played about 20, 25 minutes max. So I don't think it's I don't think it's correct to make a judgment based on a 25 minute appearance. Um, I, I could tell you I thought you know Pepe didn't get many touches. I I thought his body language was shit. <laughs> but uh, but I have heard, I have heard that that Diego Martinez does like Pepe, and in fact tried to sign him when he was at Granada. So he would have had a good look at him and his games and appearances at Cartagena while he was there last season in in Segunda. That's probably one of the main reasons why he's been taken to to preseason camp in Austria. So we shouldn't write him off immediately uh, and Zinkanagel we'll see guys at the moment for me he's our most sellable asset I don't know if you guys agree with that because we need yeah. to make sales Costa the reason why uh, I think one of the reasons why we haven't made signings is because we need to sell first we need to sell players first uh, I think there is a there could well be a FFP financial fair play implications here as we're as we're speaking so um what do you guys think do you think he's our most sellable asset is that a fair statement about zinconago yes and no i would say yes because uh it is the most valuable asset from the actual squad that that is in austria i think the most valuable has to be probably maddie 
even if it costs less than the, the prime MADI. Uh, but using Tanago is the most valuable asset because it can offer both solution to play during the summer and to be sold uh, maybe at the middle of it or at the end of it like for three, four million. Looks like an easy sell, I would say. And I wonder if the club that wants him are reluctant to pay a fee for him. Like they will have to, but Turkish clubs, they don't pay for transfers like that. That's my only fear for him. That's exactly it. But what we hear is that there are a lot of clubs that, that want him. Trabzonspor is the one that's most keen, but they don't want to pay a penny. They want him on loan. And we're not giving him out on loan again from from what I've uh, what I've been hearing. Uh, Nick Filipakos tuning in says, Cordon is cooking. The best is yet to come. Pamethrilara from Nick Filipakos. I have a question. Uh, is the the Fortunis not being called up to the Ethniki? Can it be the, the X factor to Olympiakos' good run in the summer? Because he would have come later with the team, like days later, and with a player like him, like coming back from two big knee injuries, every day he's with the team, probably one day warm to the the schedule or their fitness level. I don't know if it's clear, but I think the the fact he came at the very beginning of the summer preparation has to be a major turnover for the club. Costa, I feel like you, you're going to have something well, I mean, interesting uh... to say about that. No, I mean, we, we, we've discussed those things. Gus Poyet has explained why, or tried to explain why he didn't uh, call him up. He says he doesn't, he doesn't fit into his, uh, to his... He didn't fit against France and the Republic of Ireland. But that doesn't mean he's completely done, I, suppo- I'm suppo- I suppose. I mean, if Bacasetas gets injured, I suppose Fortunes, I suppose Fortunes gets called up. And he might still be—he might still get called up, especially if we see Fortunis playing in a different manner under Diego Martinez, like for example down the right in a 4-3-3 formation, or if he kicks ass this coming season as a number ten, or again just down the wing or false nine—he's done it before as a false nine. Maybe that'll change the balance. But yeah, of course, when uh, when your player, when you have a player, you know you're not gonna sell like Costas Fortunis. It's not bad when they don't play for their national teams. It's bad when you want to sell him because his stock goes down. That means that if someone wants to buy him, they're going to pay under his actual value because they're going to say he's not even an international. But yeah, I mean, in, for now, this can only be good for Olympiacos because Costas Fortunis is going to play a huge role this coming season if he remains healthy. I think him, him being left out of the ethnic is is pretty much a blessing for us, for the reasons you said, Martial. So, you know, I, I would say even he should retire from the ethnic year and dedicate only his time to to Olympiacos. Why not? I mean, even the president of, of EPO has come out and said that um, Poyet's decision to leave him out was justified. So I don't know if he also uses that as fuel for motivation, guys, to try and get back into the ethnic year or... I don't know, but I think. Well, know, no, it was that was some that was not motivation for Fortunis. That was something else. 
those words were something else. They were not. They, I, I don't think the. I'm not too sure uh, how the Apple president feels about Fortunis, but it didn't feel like motivation. Yeah. Well, guys, let's let's go back to the comments, and we'll slowly kind of get into the transfers with Ibora and and Queenie or, or Kini. <laughs> this is done now. This is finished. It started here, boys. <laughs> Zach V says, I think it's too early for us to make statements, create opinions, and criticize the team. Way early. Everything being said from the start is always good. I personally worry about being late with transfers. Uh, this is a little bit what we talked about last week. Do you really need transfers, like key transfers, to beat set of it? I think at least we're all kind of jumping the gun a little bit thinking that Servet is absolutely 100% being going to be the team that we play but Genk is a better team than than Servet we play the loser of that pair um so let's assume it's Servet just for the record so that's the conversation that we had last season and if you know even with El Arabi I'm not I'm not saying guys but I think that there, there is enough talent even in this squad to get past Servet. And I think it's very, very difficult for us as a club right now to operate on the market and make good signings at a good price. And that also has to do with how we performed last season, which any player that's being talked to that's considering coming to the club is going to, is going to look at how things went last year and see four managers, 55, however many players we used. Probably not first choice for a lot of the quality players that we want to go after. And there's a reason why Gordon said in his press conference that we need to be patient and the good opportunities come towards the end of the transfer window. And this is a nice segue into the discussion about Ibora and Kini, the two players that are coming from Spain, because there's been a massive kind of freak out from a lot of Olympiacos fans. Oh, we got rid of Jan and Villar, 33, because we want to reduce the age, the average age. Uh, now we're signing a 35-year-old. We're signing a 33-year-old wing back. What's going on? Um, everyone's starting to get a little bit, uh, a little bit angsty uh with these first two signs not not ideal not ideal i agree but we have already let go of envila we've let go of socrates valbuena's not coming back so we've gotten rid of a couple of like the more experienced players you still need to bring some experience in um who wants to talk about ibora uh Marshall, i know you've got some some interesting points on this guy uh, tell us a bit about him what do you think this signing is about first of all the guy has a very solid resume uh we've known since uh last season that the resume does not doesn't mean the player will be good for olympiacos but at the same time it looks like the guy that have been a uh, a key solution for both for many teams, good teams over a, a, a huge number of seasons. 
we've won like for Europa League. And I think it matters because Re Europa League is the reality of Olympiacos right now. Like, of course, Marcelo had won like five Champions League before, but we're not aiming to even claim one win in the Champions League group stage. So Europa League players is what we need. And I don't think it will replace Envila. It will, it will most likely replace Bukhalakis, Kasami, Samaseku. And I think it's, a, it's an upgrade compared to the three players. Uh, and I'm, maybe what we needed, I, I feel like we needed last season, like more aggressivity, more vice in the midfield during big games, especially because we've seen like Hemvila and Huang playing uh, next to the next, next, uh, Hemvila playing next to Huang wasn't the solution against Ike, for example, against uh, Panathinaikos during derbies. So maybe Ibora is here to fill the gap, uh, to fill the gap we have in the squad. And for Queenie, it's the same because uh, we we all remember who played as a right back when it wasn't Rodine. First of all, it was Versalco and it's done for football. Then it was probably Retzos for a few games. We had Andruzos, Vruzai, and all of them aren't really right back. So when you when you uh, drill the, a squad, you have to have rotation players, but rotation players that played at their main position. And even Quinny, it, it does not impress me. It does not amaze me to see a player like that signing for Olympiacos because he looks like someone that would have gone to Asteras maybe or Kremitos. But if Martinez knows how to use him, then why not? He won't complain not playing. He won't complain. He won't ask for a big salary. Probably will sign one year contract. It's a low risk transfer. Like no one expects something from Pini. Guys, also, I, I, I'll say it again. Do not expect high profile transfers without having made sales first is not happening the, the 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 signings that a lot of you want will happen after after the game against Sedevets if if and a lot will depend on which competition we we lock ourselves into i feel whether it's conference league whether it's europa league uh, one of you asked earlier, what are the kind of teams that we might play if we qualify for Europa League group stage? Don't forget, we're not... Playoffs. Uh, they, meant, they meant the playoffs. No, playoffs. But first of all, like you guys got to remember as well, we're not a pot one team anymore if we do make it into, into group. But playoffs, I remember like Ajax was one name. I remember. Well, it's, it's it's a very complicated system now in terms of the playoff uh, draw. But yeah, you're right. It's you could we could face a very difficult opponent like Ajax, PSV Eindhoven, Antwerp, Union Saint Gilloise, or Dynamo Kiev, or we could face a more an easier opponent like Lask, or Batska Topola, or Tsukaritsky. It's it's a very complicated system this season. So yeah, it could get tough at the uh, playoffs. No, doesn't doesn't sound too too easy. Um, 
And yeah. there's Mitsis with a comment here. It says, zero enthusiasm around Ibora and Kinney and above all, Marcus Andre. The first two can fill a function, but Andre, to be honest, feels pointless, but we have to let Gordon work. And it's, of course, a long summer. It's early. Uh, I will say one thing about Ibora because I did actually sit a couple of hours and, and watch a bit of tape on on the Y Scout. Um, one thing that really stuck with me watching him is his his length. Like the guy is one ninety, one ninety meters tall. It's like six six foot three for for you North Americans watching us. Um, he he's awfully quick for a guy that tall and at that age. And he stick when he. When he sticks his leg out, he lied. He, he very often finds the ball. So he's very good at intercepting. He's very good at counter pressing the ball. We talked about how Diego Martinez likes his teams to play, and we started to see elements of that in the friendly, with with the press beginning in the corners. He likes his teams to press on on the sides to force errors on the wings, and then. Counter, uh, counter very quickly and he likes his defensive midfielder the one that sits in front of the back four to press the opponents like high in, in the midfield around the semicircle and this is the kind of player that, that does that very well he comes out of that position in front of the back four and he will press the opponent and use his length to to get a to get a leg or a foot to the ball any, by any means possible. You see him intercepting the ball like with his thigh or with his knee or whatever. He's very combative in uh, in midfield. And you know, some of you have talked uh, talked already in the comments about you know his his aggression, um, his experience. The guy's a four-time Europa League winner with Villarreal with Seville. Four three times. Pretty sure it's three. Check. Check. It's four. I think it's three with Seville and one with uh, Villarreal. But I'm not going to be 100% about it. It's four. Three with Seville and one with Villarreal. Yeah. I'm seeing three here. Uh, anyway. Anywho. Ah, no, you're right. Anyway. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I'm, I stand corrected. So um, I think this is a signing... I think we all agree on this. This is a signing for the for the qualifiers. Both the players that are coming in tomorrow, Ibora and Kini, they're both confirmed flying to Athens tomorrow. They're both players that Cordon and Martinez know. Any coach, any foreign coach that comes to Greece is normal, particularly in this kind of situation. They're going to want players that they trust, that they know, that they have confidence in, that can come in and do a job immediately. Ibora was playing football uh, up until a couple of weeks ago. I mean, they were playing competitive football. Levante was playing against, uh, was it Alaves for the for the promotion spot to La Liga? And they, they lost 1-0 in extra time in the second leg. So he's, he's coming off the end of the season. His fitness is probably good. So um, he's a player that can have an immediate impact. The other one, Kini, we said... He's a, he's a replacement player, a player that can play uh, as a backup to Rodinay on the right, can play on the left if needed. 
He's not somebody that's coming in for uh, for a first team spot, and neither uh, I think Ibora, neither Ibora, he's not coming in to be a first team player to play 42, 43 games like he did last season, or to replace Ganem Villa. He's not like I saw some uh, some press today in Greece that he is the Ganem Villa replacement. Nothing like Ganem Villa playing style. Uh, his range is. Not he's not at all the same player, guys, and he's not going to play as many games as Jan did last season. When we when we move further into the transfer window, I'm sure that there will be a another player that that uh, that we bring into the midfield. Same goes for uh, Marcos Andre. People aren't over the moon about him potentially coming, but it's another one that's going to be alone, guys. Ibora's it's not clear. Nobody said whether it's a transfer, but I'm pretty sure it's a loan. He has one year left on his contract with Villarreal. He was on loan uh, to, to Levante just now. Villarreal is paying him a contract of 1.75 million a season, and they split that almost 50-50 last season. Can you see us giving him that kind of money? I don't think so. And I've also heard that he wants to actually finish his career at Levante. Um, so... He's it looks signing. Good. Go. It's it's when you play football manager and you go on the players that are available on loan and you you tick the box about the player that are willing to come to you to your club on loan. Like it's an easy easy signing because he knows the he knows Cardon and probably uh, look eager to come to to uh, to play with um, Martinez and maybe it's. Uh, a step back to a more old school signing, but uh, maybe we got used to the fact that the number six with Madi when he came should have been able to uh, win ball, uh, press, tackle, shoot, pass, and do everything a midfielder could do. But some, sometimes having a number six that can be a good number six, but not an eight, not an ten, is the solution we need. I mean, old school number six that puts aggressivity in the midfield. Because Samasiku maybe would have done quite this job last season if he had played more games. But he couldn't play because the coach had to play Hanvila and Huang back-to-back games. So maybe the Hanvila's departure opens the door to a different midfield with more rotation, different profile. Of course, Ibora can't pass the ball like Hanvila, but I mean, he played like 600 games, pro games at 35. I think it says it all. And I, I've seen the comments about Marcelo that came having won five Champions League, but it doesn't, I mean, Olympiacos won't win the Champions League probably ever. Uh, and we're not aiming to win the, the, the competition. So the experience Marcelo and James got in Champions League was useless for the club, to my eyes, compared to Ibora, because Ibora knows how to win a competition in which you're not the favorite, in which you have to be good from, from the very, very beginning to the end, to create a group, to create a dynamic. And I'm sure that this experience will be useful for the club. Because I do believe Olympiacos can make something interesting in Europa League, if not in Conference League. 
Well, I mean, first of first of all, uh, all we all I basically know about Servet comes from Labros. Labros is the one who says that Servet are, are crap. So if Olympiacos do another Maccabi Haifa this season, we all know who to blame uh, for all of that. I refuse to underestimate uh, anyone after what happened last season at Maccabi. We need to remember Maccabi Haifa uh, gave, handed Olympiacos their most embarrassing loss ever at the new Karaiskaiki. Most embarrassing loss in Europe since 2003 when we lost 7-0 to Juventus and Turin. Uh, from then on, you're not... Olympiacos are not going to make signings for Servet if they make signings before Servet. They're going to make it for the playoffs because uh, those signings, it's one thing to bring them before the playoffs. It's another thing for them to be ready to play in the playoffs where Olympiacos could face a very difficult opponent. Like we said, it could be Ajax, for example. Uh, from then on, uh, I've been dying to say this on the show. Antonio Cordon is a, is a luxury for Olympiacos. Yes, he's not Monkey, yes, he's not Siki Bagiristain, yes, he's not a Dugaspar, but he is a fucking good technical director. And Olympiacos are paying him a lot of money because he deserves all that money. That guy built Villarreal into what we know they are today. He sent them to second place in La Liga. He took them to the semifinals of the Champions League. He took them to a Europa League trophy. This guy is legit right now. And I know for a fact that he is number two at Olympiacos, only behind Vangelis Marinakis. Bring out all the names you know at Olympiacos' hierarchy. Every single name other than Vangelis Marinakis. They're all below Antonio Cordon. Every name. No exceptions. Cordon is number two. And he runs tra the transfer business. How do we know he runs the transfer business? None of us even heard of Ibora coming to Olympiacos before the deal was, was basically sealed. Gordon wants everything to be done backstage. He wants everything to be done in the down low. Very few people know what's going on this season in terms of signings. And that's a good thing because that means that people are listening to Gordon. People are letting Gordon uh, run things right now. Olympiacos have lost uh, two and a half of their, most, uh, of their best players from last season. Bakambu is gone and Vila is gone. Uh, Sergi Canos is gone who was our best winger, in my opinion, by a mile. Olympiacos will need to make some important signings uh, before Servet. Like I said, you need a centre-back, you need a winger, you need a centre-forward. We're not going to go with El Arabi up front. We're not going to go with Carvalho in midfield. We're not going to go with Ba at centre-back right now. And uh, I spoke with Panos Kostopoulos today, a freelance Greek journalist in uh, Spain who, worked, who works for Marca. And I asked him about all of our uh, signings and uh, tra and targets and well it's starting with Ibora the guy who gets told off for being too old well the thing is, is that the guy suffered a, a ruptured cruciate ligament and he played four, 40 games last season in the Segunda División for Levante which is much better than the Greek Super League it's much more competitive than the Greek Super League he played 40 times lots of experience in midfield just fine, at least, for two seasons to go. As for Andre, I don't like him either. I, I, I don't like this idea because he, he was very disappointed at Valencia and Valladolid. He scored like nine goals total in the last three years. He wasn't number two. He wasn't a starter for either team. But then again, that says a lot. So as long as he's coming as, a, as an Ahmed Hassan kind of role, not as a starter, then maybe right there. But in terms of our other, um, in terms of Kini, uh, for example, uh, this guy can play on both sides. He can't just, he doesn't only play as a right back, he can play as a left back. 
he's going to be a number two. He's not coming as a number one. And uh, uh, he, at Granada, he offered a lot of solutions. He offered, a, he really helped as a backup. Uh, then we've heard a lot of other players. We've heard of Darder, who is a very good player in midfield, but he's not coming. Gomez, Maxi Gomez is a beast, Pano says, but it's a very difficult situation. The guy from Trabzonspor. Mark Bartra, stay away because he makes a lot of mistakes. I mean, it, it, I, I got to say something. Uh, I like how Cordon is uh, handling this. It is taking long, but I like the fact that people are letting Cordon work. And no matter what happens this season, you don't touch Cordon. Stay the hell away from Cordon. It's, we're building a project and projects are not being, cannot be built in, one, in just one summer. That's an excellent point. Um, I don't think people are ready to hear that this is a two-year project. People expect instant success, <clears throat> particularly in Greece, where the word patience is not it doesn't, doesn't exist, exist in the dictionary. Doesn't exist in the dictionary. Uh, doesn't exist at Olympiakos. So um, we need to be patient to see to see him work. Let him work. Um, and you know, you've told us Costa that he is reporting straight to the president um no one else is above him no one else no one else so we won't name any names but that means that a certain someone who is brought up on the show from time to time not making not making the calls or he's not as powerful as he was no one so, guys, also, like, you know, we had this conversation last summer. Again, why didn't we sign a technical director? We need to act like a modern club. We need to bring in a technical director and let them work. May it's I say this? Sorry, sorry. Decisions. That's what we've done. So we've brought in one of the best that we could bring. Let him work. Just let him work. And let's see. And we can judge later. Well, I, I interviewed uh, Nikos Dabizas a couple of years ago, and we were talking about Newcastle bringing in a technical director, and he told me what a shame it was that uh, Eddie Howe, the manager, was hired before Dan Ashworth was brought in, because it, it, it needs to be the other way around, and Olympiakos did that. Uh, you ask me, what do I prefer, a manager being signed as soon as possible, or do I want to get a, the right manager? The answer is something, somewhere in the middle. Diego Martinez is a good manager, and he is Cordon's choice. When was the last time we had a technical director and a manager at Olympiacos working in perfect unison? When was the last time? I, I might... Uh, to say Ilya Ivic and Takis Lemonis, like that season that we signed Galetti, uh, Christian Ledesma within the space of 10 days... And then we put on, you know, a Champions League run that took us to the to the last sixteen against Chelsea, the yeah, way, the, but, the but finalists. Yeah, and uh, Ivic and Lemonis, I think they didn't actually like each other very much. Um, but that was a season where it worked. Like the technical director brought in players that went into the team. You know, man, if I if I think that we signed Galetti for two and a half million that summer. And we're talking about signing some guy called De Frutos for seven million now from Segunda, like tears. But uh, <laughs> different market, different time. Uh, let's not let's not let's not go there. 
But I wanted, I wanted to, to say something yeah. about uh, uh, not underestimate opponents, but I think it has to be on the opposite side. Like, if you look at the squad of Olympiakos, sometimes I don't really understand. It's not underestimate, but you told about Maccabi Haifa. Maccabi Haifa just won the league, Israeli league. The, the team, the, the squad itself was already brilliant. And if we are being objective and we put aside the deception we have had last season, the quality is more than enough to claim two wins against Sevet. Like, if we are serious, pretty much every single player that is in Austria would be a starter for Sevet. Maybe except players like Andrusos, uh, the actual version of Buhalakis, and but even Pepe, Carvalho, and stuff would be started there. The, the, the aim, the main topic is to be able to prepare physically the, the team because qualifiers is a matter of physics, not fitness. But that's why those signings are coming in now. To get past, to make sure we get past yeah. Servet. Like I, NBA I, I, signing, like 12 contracts? The 10-day 10 day, 10 day contract, if they can give yeah. contracts to players. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to bring up this comment because this is close to what I said earlier about Ibora. His main asset is his body volume, like his size. He, indeed, not technical. He can't. I haven't seen him play the amount of 35, 40 yard balls that Yanin Villa used to ping, ping across the pitch. Forget that. But here's a question for you guys. Olibiagos in the, like the modern era, almost always played with a playmaking number six, haven't we? I mean, it's been uh, Milivojevic, uh, Samaris, Faisa, uh, Guillerme, Mvila. Who's the last one that comes to mind that you... Uh, Pablo Orbaez, who some, some people are comparing Orbaez, this signing yeah. to Pablo Orbaez. Who's the last six that you remember at the team that was just a no-nonsense kind of I'm going to stand in front of the of the defence and anybody that comes near me? Like, you know, we've had this conversation as well that the team's soft, that we're a soft team. Like, we don't have a... Who's the guy at Balk I don't like that's gone to Serres now? Manager, Pablo. who went to where? Garcia. Pablo Garcia. Pablo Garcia. Yeah. I went. Like, did we ever have a Pablo Garcia type defensive midfielder? And I don't for... remember. I don't remember a single enforcer at Olympiacos in Olympiacos modern history. I'm, I'm thinking about Delvin and Dinga. That's the one that comes to mind. Like before, before who who else is there? Stoltidis. Stoltidis was no Stoltidis nonsense. Stoltidis was, was no nonsense, yeah. He was good technically too. He was good. He in scored the, the goals. Big and strong. Yeah. He scored the big goals. The goals that mattered. Like in, the, in, the, in the comments, guys, who's the last enforcer, like no nonsense defensive midfielder that played for the club before this signing? Marshall, have you got, have you got anyone that comes to mind? Not like that. Uh... 
what do, what is exactly enforcer like someone that is known for tackles and stuff? Like a Gattuso type player. Okay. Wow. Pitbull, just like Pitbull. We never, uh, we never. I can't. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm going to look at the comments as well. See if anyone's, anyone's got something good. Magnatis. I mean, the last Magnatis. Yeah, people bring up Magnatis. But when it comes to like you know tough players who would you know cut cut your cut both of your legs off if they if they had to, the the one player that comes to mind is Anatolakis, who was a centre back, not no one else in terms of going for it. Siopis, some uh, Vimos is saying, Zelias. Yes, Zelias. There you go, Zelias. But Zelias cost us a lot because he would get red carded often. Yeah, and a lot of people would say that he got the red cards because uh, he was trying to um, cover his injuries. Uh, there is a great interview we did with Zelias on our on our channel. Incidentally, for those of you that haven't seen it, you can go to the playlists and go over to interviews. Go and check that out. That was a lot of fun. He's a really good guy, uh, good friend of the show. Go and check out the interview with Zelias when you have your free time. Leave a like. Uh, subscribe to the channel, hit the bell too. More interviews will come down the line. We promise you that. Oh my God, there's more coming in. Milivojevic, yeah, he was. He would make dirty tackles too, but he would get yeah. up in people's faces. Dachtiris, what Dachtiris? What is this? Is that the best you got? Rubbish. Fetanos, like kafu. Oh my God! We're looking for a success. Milivojevic has to be one comes close because he had the the passion thing, passion thing like playing for the shirts, the fans. Like he knew exactly what it what it means to play for Olympiakos, and maybe Ibora. It won't be like that, but it it looks like to be the the kind of player every coach would have to to coach. I would love to coach. I don't know. But as a professional, just like model professional player. I mean, how many players that came last season could really say they have professional players? Not football players, but professional. I won't name the amount of players we signed last season, but will he create drama and stuff? I'm not sure. sure. Yeah. And uh, Andrea, idea. Andrea Pirlo, the wine tester, <laughs> is saying uh, the players that we're looking to bring in, they they have baladofatis. Um, trying to translate that into English, they have the, they know they, they know ball, they know football. Yeah, yeah they, know they have football. a they have a football face, literally, but exactly. Yeah, the meaning is they they know football. So. We missed you, he says. Thank you, my friend. Good to see you back on the show. What else have we got in the comments? Uh, Marshall, do you want to add? I, I saw Ramal, and I think it's a good comment, too. Ramal, yeah. Uh, James Seven says, I want to believe that we bring the old guys now for the experience, for the coach probably to have his guys in the locker room and in August... Yeah, I, I think I think that's where we're all at with um, with the transfer so far. And I know that a lot of you are also not keen about um, Marcos Andre. Uh, 
Um, and they're right. Like I said, Marcos Andre is the kind of is the kind of player you would like as uh, as an alternate, and that's what he was at Valencia and Valladolid. Two, to be fair, those were two quite problematic teams when he was there. But still, as a number two, he in three years he only managed a total of nine goals, not even ten goals for both teams total. I mean, when El Arabi joined, we, yeah, we knew he played. He was playing in, uh, in the Middle East, but he was a killer at Granada and Caen. Was that the French team? He was a killer. You could see it that this is a guy who's going to come in and he's going to he's going to he's going to wreck it. Whereas Andre is the exact opposite. It doesn't. You look at his stats and you wonder, does he know where the net is? I'm not convinced about that. Not Andre. It's it's an odd one because Valencia paid 8.5 million euro to lure this guy away from Valladolid. Um, but but also guys like Valencia is Valencia is such a shit show, such a shit yes. show club. It's like a graveyard for players, it seems, the last, like, for as long as I can remember the last three, four years. I mean, Cavani's gone to Valencia however many years. Hasn't really... Who who are Valencia? Are they even playing in Europe anymore? No, they know that. They resigned the best youngsters they have had since a decade for Marcos Andre which is Kang and Lee that went to PSG. Like they have no sports politics because they went too far on the Mendes, uh, the Mendes influence. I think it's impossible for a player to be good for Valencia. He had, he had terrific numbers, to be honest. I agree with that, but. Who? Hey. Marcos Andre has terrific, like, Shitty numbers, not terrific good, but terrific bad numbers. Horrific, horrific. horrific. Yeah, horrific, sorry. And but we all know that in Greece, you can click very quickly. Just a matter of confidence. I remember when Miralas came to, to Greece, yeah. I think he had one or two goals for Saint-Etienne in 30-something appearances. And it was the same. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not drawing a comparison here, but Nobody again... So some some sm- small footage that I've seen of the guy, he's again he's tall, he's fast, he looks faster than Bakambu. He presses up the field very well, is what the manager wants. You know, worst case scenario, he's Guerrero 2.0. And if he starts scoring yeah, again and he gets now. confidence. I'm 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 honest with you guys. I haven't seen enough. I saw a little bit of footage because I was curious, but the main thing that I saw was pace, like pace. He's and, he's, and he's 26 years old, exactly. And if we get him, it looks like it will be a loan plus option, like pl- loan plus obligation to buy. A player that was bought for eight and a half million, they're looking at bringing the option down to three million. So. I don't know whatever the manager wants like really uh and 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 then i'll again this one if it goes through i'm sure there will be another you know we know the boss the big boss at the club likes to make statement signings if we're in a position to make statement signings towards the end of the transfer window i'm not talking a james rodriguez or whatever 
yeah, or a Marcelo, but I'm sure I, they will be looking out for opportunities. I think we're going to see quite a few unknowns coming in at a good age, you know, towards August, because that's that's Cordon Zemo. That's what he did at Villarreal. He brought in future stars. He brought in future legends. He didn't bring in the big names. So uh, I think we're going to. I, I I think it's far far likely we're going to see hidden gems at a good age coming in towards August rather than a single big name. We're not going to see a big name. Ibora is probably the biggest name we're going to see coming in this summer. Uh, Andy Delort fits the El Arabi status as the most that's a player that can lead the attack. Um, I know, Marshall, you know Andy Delort quite well, but he's off to he's, Saudi, isn't he's, he? He's signed, to, he's signed with the Qatari club. Okay. Uh, but also, let's not forget Al Gasimba is coming back from the 123 African Cup, and he probably will be a solution for the for the attack very soon. I hope. Let's see. Those guys are going to be um, they're going to be back in a couple of weeks, so they'll miss all of Austria, and I think they'll they're going to team up with with the rest. They'll get what ten days rest after the. Is, after is Machado the, uh, a good answer to your question before? Sorry. Paulo is Paulo Machado a good answer? No. <laughs> All I remember of Paulo Masado is the mustache. There you go, great mustache. The 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 mustache and the the front page in one of the newspapers in Greece, or artistas, is like one of the common headlines they use for for anyone with a. a, a um, a hint of technical ability that plays in midfield. They're all artists. They're all artists. Yeah. Uh, Mano Suladagi says, hello, guys. I believe Biel and Fortunis are going to be an amazing duo this year. I expect Cordon will make, say, wow, at least three times this summer. Amen. Hope so. Uh, Andrea says, Valencia is worse than us. Nolan Linda Fox says, Andre was good in 2021. Um, Tony Lato was another player. That's when that we he joined to... Valencia. 2021. Okay. Uh, another one here. Uh, Achilles Beos. Didn't know that the um, the mayor of Volos is Volos. following. But uh, you know, may maybe maybe Gate Seven International has helped to mend the ties between Olympiacos and. And the club of, of Volos. <laughs> anyway, I'll stop chatting shit. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, for the archive, Fanis X says, Jan and Villa was the best clear defensive midfield uh, the team ever had. Difficult to compare him to Guillerme, though, because the Brazilian was better balanced between attack and defence. I think to a point that's um, quite a nice statement. Marshall. I agree. I agree with Fanis. I agree with the, the statement, was, but also, I mean, Guillerme, when he came, he wasn't like he wasn't 33, but he wasn't young either. So it has to show us the fact that young players, young and young and good players, won't come to Olympiacos with or without Cardon. Like they have plenty of choice to go to. If they have some potential, they will be expensive. They won't come to Greece. And unless Olympiacos established himself in northern Europe, in Africa, or in Eastern Eastern Europe, 
there isn't young players that would come to the club. I mean, it's impossible to attract them. The only players you could attract would be someone like Levi Garcia, for example, from Israel, or maybe Pineda, but it's, it, it's expensive. And we don't give time to players like that. We, we didn't give time to Engels. We did not give time to I recall the last big signing we made, but even deal, people wanted to to sign after one season. I mean, maybe Cordon will change that. Like players will have a second chance to show they can play for Olympiacos. And that's the change I'm expecting. Like the two years project has to start with players that comes back from loan or that weren't very good last season. Well, yeah, I know that uh, Cordon is uh, looking uh, looking at Spain, obviously. He's look, looking at Argentina. And I heard he's looking in Russia and Ukraine as well, in terms of the um, the foreigners who can, uh, who can basically break their contracts. Let's see. I see what you're saying, Marcial. But, I mean, Cordon's MO and what makes him such a good technical director is that he has a good eye for young hidden gems who are hidden gems for a reason. People haven't haven't found them. People haven't uh, haven't seen how good they are. And they don't have a lot of suitors. And because they don't have a lot of suitors, they come with a good price. And then Cordon sells them for five times their price. Uh, and yeah, you're not wrong with, uh, with uh, Martinez. Maybe he's going to give a couple of uh, second chances, like Carvalho. I'm hoping maybe there's something there for, uh, for Ba and Cissé if they're not sold. Let's see. No, but the, the, the thing is, we ask for young players to come for the club but look at the young players that came like Leitner he did not play Markovic he did not play Trubic he did not play Vrangelovic was the only one that probably shined because he made insane qualifiers when he came so Hugo Kuypers yeah the, yes, club does know, the club does not know how to operate with players like that we have the money is- we have the we have the fame to attract players like that but we don't use them so i mean Ibora it, is the logic of olympiacos at the end of it but isn't isn't antonio cordon's arrival doesn't just signal the arrival of a very good technical director it also signals correct me if i'm wrong of course probably a new era at olympiacos like i said guys it's vangelis marinakis antonio cordon everyone else everyone else is beneath cordon so can't cordon change that uh that uh, that culture, especially if he gets his year, he's gonna get a year, I reckon, of full or at least moderate patience. If next season Olympiacos start kicking ass with the players Cordon has brought in, could that signal a new beginning at Olympiacos, a new culture? I think it already has, Costa, in a sense that. If Cordon wasn't there, like if the setup that we have now wasn't there today, we'd probably have signed three, four players before now. And that's what happened last season, right? It's like, oh, let's go and get Avila. Let's go and get Versalico. Let's go and get Abu Kamara. Let's go and get Denis Arigigic. Where are all of those Yeah, where, where, where are they? They're all gone. Yeah, I mean, you know, Bowler and uh, Joe, they came later. They came towards the end of the window. So it already has changed. It already has changed. And so far, he's doing exactly what he said in the presser. 
in the press conference. He said, we're going to bring some experienced players, but we want to bring the age, the average age down and sign those players that are around 25, 26 with an ability to, you know, re resell them later on down the line. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, Ibora probably he wouldn't have come if uh, Cordon wasn't, wasn't there. Maybe we'd have yeah. signed, uh, I don't know, name some crocked player that is a free agent that's over 34 <laughs> that we could have signed. Uh, also, what would change is the fact that we won't sign Mamadou Kane's kind of player, like the, the guy that shines against us, and then yeah. suddenly we say, okay, he has to come to Olympiacos. Like uh, another one was um, Djurjevic, the, uh, yeah, the Serbian Djurjevic. striker. Yeah. There's only one Djurjevic. Only one Djurjevic. I knew he was going to fail because I knew it from the beginning. There can only be one, lads. There can only be one. I mean, they, they spelt his name a little bit different. It was a Djurjevic, not Djurjevic. But... Djurjevic, Djurjevic. Yeah, anyway. I'm telling you, if we have a Giovanni coming in to play as a striker at Olympiacos uh, someday, I know he's going to fail the moment he steps foot in Greece. He's going to be a failure. I mean, the, 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 the thing he's going to have to get to follow up, the act he will have to follow up, he will be an absolute failure. I don't care how good he is. He's going to fail end, completely. He'll end up working uh, as a barman at Nalu. He's gonna, end up at a he's gonna end up at a mental asylum. If we bring a Giovanni to play as a striker, he'll end up in an asylum. Oh my god. True story. Uh, Djurjevic did actually do pretty well at Kijon uh, when he well, moved there. Nice Is he still there or did they sell him? No, but we we do we did sell him for the money we paid for. Like yeah. bank operation. Anyway, um, yeah, pe people are, you know, I think people are listening to the segment where we're talking about defensive midfielders. Uh, we forgot Garibere. That's, um, maybe we were talking more about modern eras. Like if we go back, uh, for me, at least hey, lad, was, uh, modern. I, we're not that old, man. We're not that old. Yeah, that's my luck. I was still at school when Garibere was playing. Like, you know, me too. Me too. We're not fucking old, man. Yes, we are. We are old. Oh, there are 20 year olds listening to us, man. I'm nearly oh 40. Oh my God. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway. Everybody's bitching about Ibora being too old. And they've, they've, been, they've been miserable throughout the entire show. And now, I, and now you made me miserable. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to go to bed thinking, oh, Ibora is too old. Oh, Kini's no, too no, old no, as well. I, I need to I need to take this back. Uh, Stefanos Pantopoulos says I am a barman at Nalu and I found your comment very offensive. Didn't mean any offense, Stefan. I actually like Nalu a lot. Every time I come to Athens, I visit it almost every time. I like to have my shisha uh, there, drink my coffee. <laughs> nice, nice place. Next time I come over, come come over and have a let's have a chat, and you can maybe let me get us and ask for Nike. Or I'll do the same for you. Anyway, uh, jokes aside, what have we got here? Um, we're going to wrap this up soon, guys. It's getting late in um, wherever wherever you guys are. 
there's a question about non-EU spots. Uh, there's a lot. I think I counted eight or nine players. Agibo deserves a chance, says Aris. Aris I agree. I agree with Aris. Ramon may go on loan. Uh, he shouldn't. He, he really shouldn't. Because we, we have Oleg Reabchuk. Leitner is injured. Ramon has to stay. Kini can play on both wings. But what if Rodinei also gets injured? I mean, looking at that list there, Madi Kamara for me is he has to go. He has to be sold. Yeah. Specifically. Madi Kamara. But if he play, if he's serious, if he's serious, he could be fucking great against Servet. Well, we didn't like that. Dude, Mati Kamara could be great against Servet if he's serious, if his mind is a, is at the task ahead. Exactly, but I don't think his, uh, his head's in the right place. Oh, man. And also, Agibu has mentioned that <clears throat> it's funny when I see people speaking about the age because look who Agibu was criticized by the fine the fine days like he's the a young young players and we have sometimes we feel more uh i don't know the word like more patience towards players like that because we can't ask for more young players and when we have one like for the first pro season he was doing like buried, we kind of buried the poor guy good point um he it was his first professional season really with us breakout season uh, and then it all kind of went downhill too much pressure put on his shoulders i also think he's a player that can play in in martinez's system uh ari and i talked about that when we were looking at the manager's yeah. philosophy yeah um, great episode great episode Go back and check that out, guys. If you're curious about the new manager, his tactical approach, mindset, etc., we did a nice uh, a nice episode with Ari a few weeks back. You can go go back and have a look at that if you haven't already. Um, Zach V tuning out. Good night from Athens, guys. I've got my season ticket at Galaiskaki again this season. Good lads. Uh, and Gus Drax is tuning in. Hello, guys. Late tune in tonight. Thanks for joining, Gus. Uh, Gus Drax, big ups. The intro music we have on the show is thanks to this man here. So, um, amazing love. intro song, absolutely incredible intro song. And Stefano Panzopoli, thank you for the lovely comment. I'm gonna come to Nalu, we can have that mojito, <laughs> guys. I think let's wrap it up there. We're nearly an hour and a half in. Uh, oh, last opportunity to hit that like button if you haven't done so already and subscribe. Tell your tell your friends about the show. Get more people to, to come in here, join the community. Hit the bell. Make sure you get all the latest updates. There are deep dives coming in, as we said. Tomorrow, two signings coming to, uh, to Olympiacos, Vicente Ibora and Kini, defensive midfielder and right back. So Ari will have those deep dives up and ready the next, the next few days. So again, make sure you hit the subscribe button and the bell. Make sure you don't miss that. Guys, anything else to add before we before we close up? One last thing from me. I mean, I'm uh, I gotta say I'm confident about the future. Olympiacos laid down a strong foundation with Antonio Cordon. Uh, started out re started full marks with the way Olympiacos started with the arrival of Antonio Cordon. 
I didn't like that it took too lo so long to bring uh, the manager and Diego Martinez because now the signings, the player signings, also are, are also coming late. So that was a problem for me. I'm not happy with the way this this part has gone, but I gotta say I'm confident about the future. I don't know if Olympiacos are gonna win anything this season. This sounds a lot like Pedro Martinez's debut season, where Olympiacos didn't win anything. Uh, and before anyone calls me a soft fan, uh, know this that the uh, the only team I support other than Olympiacos is Ethniki Elados, is the Greek national team. I have tried to become an Arsenal fan. It did not happen. Arsenal didn't win the Premier League last season, even though they came agonizingly close, and I could not care less. I slept like a baby. Only Olympiacos kept me up last season, and they did it a lot. And I'm telling you, I'm confident about where this is going. Be patient. Don't, of course, not all of Cordon's signings are going to be a success. They're going to be a couple of flops. They, they're always, they always are. Be patient. Olympiacos are seriously building something right now. No matter what happens this season, do not stay the hell away from Cordon. No matter what happens this season, do not even think about touching Cordon. Costa, if you became an Arsenal fan, I don't think you and I could be friends. Yes, we would. <laughs> yes, we would. Our Marcel. Tottenham, Michesso. <laughs> Got anything else, Marshall? I would like to say uh, we should stay optimistic, even if it's hard, because let's not forget the quality that he's in the squad. And let's not forget the main reason he did not do anything last season is because the summer preparation was probably one of the worst ever. A team that is prepared can be very different from one year to another. All of those players that did not become shitty players like that. Like they're not Kifisias players, they're not Kalitias uh, players. Uh, without, with all due respect to those teams, I mean, we just sometimes I, I, I look at the squad on transfer market and I like, okay, I'm being pessimistic with a squad like that. Of course, Panathinaikos and I make good signings, but they will play Europe probably next season. They did not play Europe last season. And it will change things. Like the only club in Greece that can play Europe and the league is Olympiakos. Yes. For me. And we'll see that down the line. You're right. Yeah. So let's not forget we won at Talc and we won against Panathinaikos to end the season. The confidence is here. All right. Well, and remember, we don't know anything about Servette. Labros told us they're easy. So if Olympiacos get, are eliminated, uh, we're all gonna we're all gonna point at Labros and laugh. I'm not sure about laughing, but but we will definitely have someone to blame. And some remember, to blame Labros, not us. He told us they're easy. We don't know. Blame Labros. You can start a hashtag even blame Labros, but hopefully it won't come to that, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we're Gate 7 International, your number one English source for all things Olympiacos, the red and white legends. We'll be back next Sunday for another live stream. But before that, again, guys, deep dives. The deep dives are coming. Hit the bell, subscribe now, and like before you go. Ade, see you.